Hello, I'm Kevin Richard. Well, some big news and really life-changing news came out of the Hispanic Youth Leadership Summit at the College of Idaho back in October. Nearly $9 million in college scholarships were awarded in one day, and that's going to be enough to help hundreds of Latino and Latina students pursue a college education. To learn more about these scholarships, I sat down this week with J.J. Saldana. He is the Community Resource Development Specialist with the Idaho Commission on Hispanic Affairs. And I also sat down with Cristal Lay. She is a senior at Ridgeview High School in Nampa, and she's the recipient of one of these scholarships. Here's our conversation. Well, JJ, Crystal, thanks for taking time to uh, to speak to us this week. I've been wanting to kind of talk about these scholarships since they were awarded back in October. I mean, nearly $9 million just in one day. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty uh, amazing uh, sum of money. JJ, walk me through the process and how that all came about this time. So we've been working with all the higher ed institutions. We've always invited them to come to our summits. Um, and about five years ago, um, it was the College of Idaho who asked if they could award scholarships at the CBA. Mm-hmm. And so my director at the time said, well, if we allow them to do it, we have to invite all the other higher institutions to do that as well. And so luckily, you know, they've all said, yeah, let's go and do this. With the exception, I think, of two Idaho colleges, they all are in attendance at, at these summits. And um, so... Um, Every year has just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, so we've just been very thrilled with this. But even this time around, I mean, this, this, I mean, this had to be kind of a surprise. Yeah, this was huge, because um, last year um, they gave out over $7 million in scholarships, and it was more than double this time. It was $14.4 million in scholarships this year. And so, yeah, we were really, really surprised. <laughs> And there's got to be a lot of work and effort that's gone, gotten to this point, and, and a lot of it has probably just been making the making the point making the case that this is really an important issue it is and i think the higher ed institutions see it because they have that built-in audience we had over two thousand students at all three summits so they have that audience there and this is the opportunity for them to do outreach to our population mm-hmm. and i've been to these uh, been to a summit a couple of years ago i mean they're really a really a fun event i mean it's really a chance for students it, to get and a it's sense. a full day of just it's a really tight tight schedule for the students so the students um have workshops all morning long um there's a couple of fun things but for the most part it's um a lot of workshops so they get workshops on stem they get workshops on college prep leadership building career building and then we also invite um, the u.s army to come in just in case there are students that don't want to go to college so they know that there's other opportunities um we always have law enforcement there because 35 percent of the students have said that they want to go into law enforcement as a career and about 45 said percent said they want to go into health so we've been inviting um, Blue Cross St. Alphonsus and St. Luke's to also be there. Crystal let me turn to you here for a minute because I really wanted to hear from a student who's going to receive one of these yeah. scholarships and and get a sense of how that's changed your you know your path mm-hmm. your, your your life path. Tell me a little bit about your your background, a little bit about your story. Um, so I am I come from a biracial family. So my mom is um, Hispanic, and then my dad is Vietnamese. So um, kind of just being raised in that household and kind of finding a balance between those two has always been really hard for me. Um, I'm not a first generation student though. My mom did go to college, um, but she had me as a teenager. So um, kind of just being able to see like someone do that and yeah, she's definitely my role model for that. <laughs> yeah. um, but I still feel as though I struggled a lot with the idea of college, um, even though I had a parent that had already gone, um, just because it's kind of like, is it what I want? Is it what they want? Um, And kind of 
figuring it all out because I technically am, I was first born here, so um, being a first generation, I guess, in the U.S. and figuring that out. Mm -hmm. yeah. What was getting in the way for you about college or, or making you think twice about college? Was it finances? Mm -hmm. Yeah, cost. Cost has definitely been a big stressor for me when it comes to college um, just because, you know, I want to be able to do all of these things, um, but I don't want to have to um, have like my financial background like hold me back from that or my mm -hmm. financial need um, hold me back from not being able to do what I want to do and not be able to pursue the things that I want to just because I can't afford it. And your plans now, you've got a scholarship and mm -hmm. go to the College of Idaho. Yeah, I'm still deciding what college I want to go to because um, I did receive a couple other scholarships to other schools. Um, but yeah, my plan is to pursue healthcare and go to college. What are you planning to major in? Um, I'm planning on doing nursing. Yeah, um, I've I'm currently enrolled in a CNA class and an EMT class, and I really enjoy emergency medicine. So maybe like an ER nurse would be really interesting to look into. What was kind of your reaction as you received this scholarship offer? Oh, I cried. <laughs> I cried on stage. Um, it's it's a very overwhelming and very um, like joyful feeling. Like I it, I don't think I've ever felt anything like that feeling of wow, like someone's proud of me, someone sees me, someone sees the work that I'm doing and someone's rewarding me in like such a big way. And it's it's a feeling that I don't think I've ever, that's like very indescribable. Um, but yeah, honestly, just pure bliss and happy. Like I was so happy, I started crying. I mean, it really kind of, you know, it's it at you up at least for the first mm -hmm. year mm -hmm. at, at college, right? Yeah. If that's the, uh, mm -hmm. if that's the right you, you choose to take. What do you think this sends as far as a message, not just to you, but to to other students? I mean, you know, your, you know, friends who maybe are a year or two mm -hmm. behind where you are in high school and are trying to figure out where they want to go next. I feel like it. I, it tells us that people are here for you. People are here to help you. People are watching what you're doing and paying attention to the achievements that you've made and and we're here to help you because i know that a lot of people do feel discouraged to go to college or do feel as though oh i'm doing so much with my life but i'm not getting any reward for it so it's so nice to have people say like i see you and i see what you're doing and i'm proud of you for it and, and here's a reward for it and i would imagine that message is even more important mm -hmm. for students who, who are first gens i mean you're not mm -hmm. a first gen so you you know you talk about your mom being a role model but for but for students who haven't, who don't have their role model in, in mm -hmm. their family, mm -hmm. they really kind of need that encouragement. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think for all students, it's really encouraging just to know that those resources are out there, and to know that there are people that are looking out for us, almost in a sense. And JJ, I know this has to kind of get to a bigger issue that you've been working on for years. We've talked about it over over years, just trying to get. Latino students to, to think about college, to think right. about this as a, a real, it's a viable path, a, a realistic path. Yeah. And so in talking with a lot of the higher ed institutions, um, you know, they get the scholarship and it is a first step, but a lot of these scholarships are renewable. And so if they maintain their GPA, they're going to work with these kids to make sure that they stay, um, you know, retention has become a big part for them. Mm -hmm. And so um, in our talks with them, they're like, yeah, we're going to do whatever we can to make sure that we stay. So, you know, for example, you know, if they see that Crystal struggling and something, they're, they're going to have the resources to help her. Right. I mean, and you can't separate retention from affordability. Right. I mean, the, the two are intertwined. Right. 
So where does this go from here? I mean, this is a tough act to follow. Right. So because I my goal this year was like if we every year it's always like okay if we could just get a thousand dollars more than last year that's a big win for us. But I didn't expect it to be this big. Um, you know, in in you know College of Idaho and Northwest Nazarene University they really stepped up big time. Um, you know, but you know the University of Idaho their scholarships are a lot smaller, but they're. 100% renewable, so it's mm-hmm. a scholarship for four years. Um, you know, CSI, their scholarships are a little different. They're called presidential scholarships, so it pays for your full semester, including housing, everything. So that's what I kind of like about it. It's um, every scholarship, every institution's scholarships are different. Mm-hmm. Um, and because the financial demands are very different. I mean, right. College of, Idaho, College of Idaho versus CSI, right. which is two-year school, and it's a very different and, financial. But what I also yeah. love about it is when I see a lot of these students go in, a lot of them have some ideas that, oh, I want to go to Boise State, but then they end up talking to the University of Idaho, and they're like, oh, this is actually a better fit for me, or vice versa. Or sometimes you'll see some students who think that um, – a junior college is best fit for them, but then after talking to Boise State, they're like, oh, no, I can do the four-year call. I don't have to go, or vice versa, they'll talk to CSI or CEI, and they're like, you know what, maybe a junior college is a better fit for me at first. So I see a lot of people's minds changed when they meet with the college recruiters. And I got to think, I mean, Crystal, you can talk about this, I'm sure, you know, that decision about which college path makes the most sense for you, that's a complicated enough decision to make anyway. (laughs) To be able to take the finances out of that equation mm-hmm. a little bit has to make the decision a little bit less daunting. Yeah, because I then I can really narrow it down to, okay, now all I have to think about is, is this the right fit for me? Not whether or not I can afford it, whether or not I'm able to do it just because I can't. Like, am I able to afford it? Um, you're able to really sit there and think, do they have the best education for me? Is this the best option for me? Like, I don't, it's nice to not have to think about the money all the time. Mm-hmm. And how is that? How are you making that decision yourself? And what what's most important to you as a prospective student? Um, as of right now, I feel as though I've really mostly narrowed it down to education. Like, where has the best program? Um, what have I seen from people that I know that I look up to? Like, where have they gone? And what what are their opinions on these different schools? And really, just like what's going to be the best educational fit for me? Mm-hmm. Let me, let's turn to the bigger picture issues that they're facing, you know, Latino students and, and the decision about right. going on, the, the decision of post high school. Affordability is obviously a huge factor, but there's more that you're still having to. There is, because, um, you know, in K through 12, there's still that huge academic achievement gap. And that gap starts like at kindergarten, because mm-hmm. our kids already start the school system behind their peers. And even though they're making gains that first year in school, so are the other kids. So that gap still ex- mm-hmm. continues to grow throughout the years. And so there's that gap. Um, when we look at K through 12, um, only 3% of staffing in um, schools are Hispanic or Latino and you know 18% of our students are Hispanic or Latino so there's that so um, you know we have a saying in our office is representation matters and you can't be what you can't see Mm -hmm. and so it's also important so you know I I, I love that she's going into the health field but I would love if she was going into education Mm -hmm. you know um, we are working um, right now we're very early stages on a grow your own program and I think you and I've talked about this in the past but um, we are hoping that, you know, with the new superintendent coming in, that we can also work with them to um, work on that. And hopefully that builds a career path for the for students to not only go to um, higher ed, but also stay here in Idaho, because that's something as a state agency that we would love for um, kids to stay in and, you know, 
I love hearing, you know, about from students who live in rural areas, they go away, but then they come back and they end up getting jobs in their area and they're closer to family. I love hearing those kind of stories because they're coming back home. Let me ask about the role modeling. I mean, Crystal, you talked about your, your mom as a role mm-hmm. model at home, but role models in school. Yeah, you. I feel like those are very hard to find. Not necessarily because we don't have good teachers, but just because really finding someone that you feel as though connects to you in a special way. Um, I do have, like, I would say some role models at my school, like our school nurse who teaches my CNA class. Um, she's Hispanic, and uh, I do look up to her a lot because, you know, she was able to get a master's degree in nursing, and, like, I guess it's almost like a snapshot of what my life could look like and what I could achieve. And really seeing seeing someone who looks like you is significantly different versus uh, seeing someone who doesn't. I guess it it seems more possible right. when someone it makes it all more yeah. tangible. Yeah. You know, you... Yeah, it feels more real almost. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I can totally do that because they did it. What are some of the other challenges? Barriers we <laughs> You know, there's a lot of cultural barriers, too, that we see, um, specifically in rural areas. One thing that we we have parents that don't want to let go. They don't want their um, their child to go far away to go to college. So, um, you know, I've had parents tell me, well, what if she goes out to University of Idaho and she lives in Moscow and she gets pregnant is something that I've heard. I'm like, what if she stays here and goes to CSI and gets pregnant? I mean, um, it can happen regardless. I, um, I think letting go is a big, and, and it's a cultural thing. Um, you know, they want their kids to stay close to home. Um, and especially, um, we see it a lot more um, with um letting their daughters go. It's easier to let their sons go for some reason. Um, But, you know, we're also seeing more and more. If you were to be at the ceremony or at the summit um, this year, I think the majority of the scholarship recipients were female. I think, and and it was a good, like, maybe 70% um, were female recipients. We are not getting a lot of the boys um, applying for the scholarships. We're not getting them a lot of the boys have been going to the summit. It's mainly it's been um, a lot more females, and so we're trying to figure that out. Um, but that's, and that's a, it's interesting, and that's a challenge that's transcending ethnic uh, demographics. I mean, that's a problem across the general population of young men going to college. Yeah, so what we're seeing too is a lot of them are getting jobs, like in the rural areas. I got a dairy, and so they're making you know sixteen dollars an hour or whatever it is, and so they have to choose between, you know financial and helping their families out or going to school and so we worked with the Idaho Dairymen's Association because we were hearing from some rural areas that um, they had students that were struggling because they were working graveyard shift at the dairies and then trying to go to school in the day and they were struggling to stay awake and and so we are you know we're like the dairies you know you also have to take some responsibility and you know if you're going to hire these um, kids to go to school don't hire them to work the graveyard chip because that's not doing them any favors make it workable so that yeah. they can make yeah. it work they can they can contribute exactly. to yeah. business because if but... they're going to be falling asleep at school it does them no good so um so that's another issue um the financial piece like we've mentioned is a big issue and then um, the lack of um, knowledge from parents, they don't know what they're supposed to be um, doing. Um, you know, even though um, a lot of people, a lot of institutions try to have FAFSA days and stuff. But FAFSA, as you know, is really um, a hard thing. Yeah, FAFSA's um, easy. And so um, getting that, so I've had parents that have called me, you know, in April and said, hey, my child's going to graduate this June. What do I need to be prepared for? I'm like, oh. You know, this is, you're really late right now. And so, and it, it does break your heart to have to tell them, uh, you're starting super, super late. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of 
unknowns. Um, and then we've had students that do get their bachelor's degrees and then they want to go back for their master's and their parents don't understand and they're like, but you just, you graduated. What do you mean you still have to go back right. to school? Yeah. And so there's still a lot of, um, and this falls, I think, like on our agency and other Hispanic organizations to be able to educate parents on what's, um, except what they need to be educated on when it comes to sending their kids out. And, um, and educate on the process. Like you say, it doesn't begin fall of senior year. Right. It's got to begin a lot sooner. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and then, you know, Letting, you know, letting go is, is a big issue. And so we're very fortunate with certain um, people that we know um, that sent their kids, for example, up north. And, and they're like, I can't get a hold of my daughter. And I know it's Friday night, 10 o'clock. But I'm like, well, it is Moscow. Yeah, and, Friday night, 10 o'clock. And so, um, but, you know, they have, um, you know, camp um, coordinators, which is the um, migrant program that they have up in uh, the college. She she's she gives her the parents her phone number. She's like, let me go find them. I know this campus really well, so she does. And while it's embarrassing for the student, it um, it puts the parents at ease. Right. So, Crystal, this is probably a little bit of a premature question, maybe an unfair question. Mm-hmm. So, how do you see this unfolding for you? I mean, I know you're still trying to figure out where you are going to go to college here next year. How do you how do you see your future playing out? Um, well, I hope it, it, I hope it turns out good and I'm, I'm pretty confident that it will. Um, I've been a part of like college prep courses and throughout my years of high school. So I feel as though I am ready for this. I'm ready for this next chapter. I've been prepared enough to, you know, handle these big decisions and handle these, you know, new changes and yeah, I'm really excited. Um, I don't know. It goes back to, you know, what JJ was saying, the yeah. preparation. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't just walk into the senior year and yeah. expect to talk. Yeah, those those place. programs help so much. They really do. Um, I don't think I would know what I was doing if I didn't have them. Yeah, but um, I would say that I think um, probably, I mean, obviously college, probably nursing. Um, once I get my certificates for um, EMT and CNA, probably applying for jobs in those areas and really just kickstarting my life, <laughs> I guess. Do you envision staying in Idaho? Yeah, 100%. Um, I know a lot of people don't like staying here, but I, I feel like I do. Um, I was raised here, and I like it. It's peaceful. It's quiet. <laughs> it's never, I mean, it's it's home. Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you envision now for your future as, as you try to build on what's happening? I don't know how we can top this last year. I think that was just an insane amount of scholarships. I mean, it was fantastic to see uh, all the students up on stage getting scholarships. Uh, my favorite part, and I've said this before, is walking out at the end of the summit as all the students are waiting for their buses, but you also hear them on the phone calling their parents. A lot of them are crying, <laughs> saying, I got this scholarship. And so that's my favorite part. It's kind of weird to say that I like that because I'm feel like I'm just eavesdropping on them but <laughs> it's really great to hear them just calling their parents I'm like I got the scholarship I'm gonna you know to this school or that because school you know it's gonna lead to conversations at home that wouldn't be happening otherwise yeah and so we've had students really who and we had students that didn't submit applications for scholarships that ended up getting scholarships so prior to the summit they submit their scholarship applications but then while they're there if they meet a different recruiter from a different college that they're not interested in they can still apply right then and there and so um, we had one student who said I wasn't gonna I was just coming to get out of class today I wasn't coming to but then he ended up meeting with the college recruiter and now he's like my life is completely changed now I have a different path Yeah. yeah Well, JJ, Crystal, 
JJ, it's always good to catch up. Yes. It's always good to have you back on Crystal. It's great to get to know you a little bit and, and hear your story. Thank you both for coming in. Thanks for having Thank us. Again, that was J.J. Saldana of the Idaho Commission on Hispanic Affairs and Cristal Lay, a senior from Ridgeview High School in Nampa. A lot more to get to at our website at idahoednews.org. A lot of stories for you to check out this week if you have not already done so. Sadie Dittenberg has an update on Shiva Rajavandari, the uh, Boise High School senior who was elected to the school board in September. She catches up with him about the transition to life as a trustee and life as a high school senior. Uh, that profile, that update is available at idahoednews.org. I took a closer look at what's going on with school safety and security assessments and why the state fell behind in terms of conducting assessments last school year. And what does that all mean? We have a story looking at that. I also have a piece uh, that we published on Thursday looking at the politics at North Idaho College. Well, another election and more political turmoil at the Coeur d'Alene-based community college. We break that story down in our weekly analysis piece. We also have a piece from the University of Idaho Argonaut, uh, the student paper, a really thoughtful piece about how the tragedy at Moscow has affected campus life and how it's affected sort of the sense of innocence on the college campus. A really interesting, really nicely written piece that I encourage you to check out. I want to welcome a new reporter to our midst here at Idaho Education News. Darren Svahn joined us earlier this week. Uh, he comes to us with a background in journalism and education. He's coming back into journalism. We have a piece introducing you to him, and I want to welcome him aboard. And I also want to take a moment to uh, mention and mourn the passing of High Clock. Uh, Representative Clock served uh, six years in the Idaho legislature, but really a a powerful life story uh, long before he joined public service. Uh, Clock was the uh, son of Holocaust survivors. Uh, he moved from Germany to New York, to Michigan, to Idaho, eventually serving six years in the legislature. And um, he was a prominent advocate for early education during his time in the legislature. And really just an, an all around interesting person, an all around good guy who will be missed. Follow us every day at Idaho Ed News uh, for the latest news on education policy and education politics. Check out our website, idahoednews.org, every day. We have the latest news for you there. Check us out on Twitter. Yep, <laughs> Twitter? We're still on Twitter. Yes, we are on Twitter, at Idaho Ed News, uh, where we tweet out the links to our latest stories and bulletins on any breaking items. Follow us on Facebook and comment on our stories there. And check back next week for another podcast. I'm Kevin Richard. Have a good week. 